And I'm Matt. Welcome to another episode of the Tentacle Bot Podcast. And uh, today we got another little surprise in store. Uh, we're not doing one. We're not doing two. But we're going to be doing four records today. Uh, so January 14th is going to be widely known as Deathcore Day because of how much amazing stuff came out. And, well, trying to do them all separately was going to be a pain. So we're just going to knock them all out here for you guys. So Matt, why don't you go ahead and lead us into the first one? Yeah, absolutely. So the first one we're going to talk about is the record titled, Oh, What the Future Holds by the band Fit for an Autopsy. Uh, who is the band? Uh, it's going to be Joe Badalotto on vocals. We've got Will Putney on guitars, Pat Sheridan on guitars, Tim Howley on guitars. We've got Peter Blue Spinazzola on bass. And I'm going to butcher this is Josine Orta. Uh, and that's going to be, uh, the, he's going to be on drums. And first impressions, um, I know, Gabe, this is one of your favorite bands. I'm going to let you just kind of start this off. Yeah, so this is already one of my most anticipated albums for the year. Um, these guys really show what they bring to Deathcore mm-hmm. with this album. Like, each track was uniquely different and still carries the same weight that Fit for an Autopsy started out with back in 2009. Yeah. Like, everything about this album was phenomenal. Yeah. No, and um, but for me is I don't know if I've ever truly been comfortable saying that a deathcore album is a beautiful experience, but this record absolutely made me feel that. Even in the prettiness, this doesn't shy away from the things that make them the deathcore studs that they are. And just jumping into the musical review is it feels like in a continuation of what they had done on their older material, but it feels like everything was cranked to 11. The slower portions fit perfectly and felt as though they were trying to actually help tell the story. Instrumental work was absolutely fantastic and oh boy oh boy the vocals (laughs) joe came in just straight killing it um just kind of jumping back to the instrumentals the riffage on this was beyond anything i could believe um the first notable track i want to talk about is a higher level of hate which Mm -hmm. is probably my favorite song on the record but it undoubtedly has my favorite riff of the entire record for sure it's a phenomenal song and and a thing to notice too as well is it's Will Putney's band. Yeah. So Will Putney is widely regarded in the uh, music industry as just being one of the best producers ever. Mm-hmm. And so obviously he's going to produce his own band stuff. Yeah. And it's nothing short of like a perfect mix from this album. Um, I feel like this album is kind of a continuation of what I was hoping to see more of Whitechapel do mm-hmm. from The Valley. Right. Because th- th- this kind of feels like The Valley with extra steps. Okay. And not not as a dig to either band i love i love the valley dearly and Mm -hmm. i love this album dearly and i just feel like this album is kind of what i want more from my deathcore experience that's understandable over the valley even though the the valley is still a phenomenal and s-tier Mm -hmm. record oh yeah um but like you said the riffs in this album are just phenomenal they never feel gratuitous and they show off so many different talents and styles of the band um just nothing on this album feels like it blends or gets lost I, I can honestly see myself learning any of these songs personally just because they're all showcas- showcasing something that I want to add to my own repertoire. Yeah, no, and that's completely understandable. Uh, a couple other notable tracks that I definitely want to bring up is Pandora and Far From Heaven are some really catchy tracks on the record, and they're probably like number two and three favorites for me. I just, I'm just i not sure exactly which one would be in what spot. Pandora falls at number one for me. Okay. Um, that one, I just, it, it hits every box I could ever create for deathcore. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the main line in there, the it's never too many graves. It's always not enough shovels hits so hard, I, especially in the day and age that we're in currently. Yeah. Um, far from heaven is also phenomenal. I love the song. That was the first single that was released from the album and it 
is just it, it really showcases the beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're looking for like a lot of the the beauty aspects of this record, this one and then uh, Two Towers is another one that I would recommend yeah, for that. Yeah, Two Towers for sure. I think the other thing too is the title track of What the Future Holds, mm-hmm. which not only opens the tra- the record, but it also really sets the stage for what to expect. Oh, absolutely. Because it, 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 it provides that slower portion and then all of a sudden it's just at the drop of a hat, it just hits that like almost blitzkriegy, like bludgeoning yeah, sound. Yeah, Joe, Joe Bad just comes in with the, oh, What the Future Holds mm-hmm. and then it just drops. Oh, it, it, it is so disgusting. So good. Um, also, one one other notable track was Savages. Um, I really just enjoyed the track from beginning to end. Okay. Um, there, there really isn't a bad track on here, but those three particularly stood out to me really well. That's fair. Um, Matt, if you had to put a rating on this album, what are you looking at? Uh, I'm putting it at a seven. It's This record's so sick. Uh, it's got me hooked on the band, and I fully anticipate returning to it, and I can see why it's one of your favorite bands. How yeah. about you? Um, so this one falls at an eight for me. Uh, that's, under, in, like, that's understandable. Nothing about this missed the mark for me. Okay. I expected this to be one of my favorite albums this year, and I mean, obviously, it's we're the th- two, three weeks in at this mm-hmm. point, but it, it is it just hit every mark for me. Yeah. I, I'm going to return to it again and again and again, just like I do with the rest of the records. Yeah. Well, and I think it, it just set the bar now so high, especially being this early in the year that we're, there's going to be a lot that's going to have to try and match up to it. For sure. Um, a couple things here. Uh, so obviously we're not doing a full track by track for this because we're covering so many albums. Uh, so I guess we didn't mention that prior to, but I'm yeah. mentioning that now. Um, so for the next three, don't expect a full track by track. We're going to talk about notable tracks. Uh, another thing that we did miss is um, the album art for this one. Uh, totally forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, well, and we very, very briefly touch on the lyrical review, but really that it's never too many graves, it's always not enough shovels. That line just hit different. Yeah, actually, I'm, I'm going to backtrack a little bit here just because That's, I do have some stuff I want to talk about. Yeah, no, for well, sure. Because I, I wrote my stuff out of order, and now I'm all backwards. <laughs> but, it, um, it is a weird episode, so that's completely understandable. Yeah, lyrically, this album definitely finds its groove in less violent lyrics mm-hmm. and more nihilistic and somewhat politically charged, Yeah, um, which definitely follows suit after Great Collapse and See a Tragic Beast, which are their previous two albums prior to this. Um, the lyrical content is masterful in this album, and it really shows that there's more to Deathcore than violence and grotesquery, and uh, that... While angry and nihilistic ideals are somber and hard to deal with, there is an attractive way to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I, I just so, so good. I've never not liked the lyrics that these guys have written. Yeah. And honestly, I kind of hit really a lot of the same points is it feels very strongly as a commentary on just how things are for humans and the earth in general, uh, kind of just looking at how we're destroying ourselves and everything around us. And, uh, Far From Heaven was a really big example, but there were a lot of references to death, and they mm-hmm. it's really heavy stuff related to it. So um, it, it, it's definitely one of the, the darker-themed records, but it's all it also has a very strong tie to what's actually going on around us. For sure. Uh, and then as far as the album art goes, so the album art showcases the band's uh, main logo that they've been using since Absolute Hope, Absolute Hell, uh, which is kind of this... It's it's a deathcore kind of look to it, but it's also it's almost like deathcore cursive. Yeah, I, I feel like that would be a good way to put it. And um, so they have that up at the top, which kind of has this really. It, it's honestly almost like a beautiful font mm-hmm. uh, out of context of a metal record. Yeah, exactly. Um, over the top of this very beautiful oil painting of a uh, uh, of a a woman holding a child in a field. Um, it's a very blurry kind of uh, post. I think I think the term is post surrealism. Okay. Uh, in the art world, I could be wrong on that. I'm not an art major. 
Right. But I believe the term is post-surrealism, uh, where it's just kind of this very faded, blurred kind of look and appeal to it. Um, I want this flag so badly on my wall. Oh, yeah. It is no, a beautiful beautiful piece well and like if you if you look at just like the and the, there's not a lot of details in it like you can't even see hard outlines for a lot of things mm-hmm. in it um you can kind of like judge about where stuff starts and ends uh but really if you look at the face on the what i would assume to be the mother of the child is it's kind of this look of sadness and she's kind of asking like what does the future hold so it it, it ties just way too well with the actual name of the record so i I think they that would nail was hit right on yeah and if you look really closely at it too actually um half of her face is a skull i didn't catch that i'm I'm just noticing it now honestly but yeah it it is you have to look really closely at it and it kind of looks like it's almost a smear from this what appears to be kind of like a water or rainfall that's going over them okay Uh, and in it if you look at it just in passing it doesn't seem like anything but once you see it it really kind of just pokes its eye out to you i'm gonna have to look at that in a little more detail that's awesome yeah it's super cool but um it's it definitely showcases what this album's going to be about it's beauty but at the same time like it's hollowing. Yeah, it's like it's like beautiful, but almost like mangy at the same time. Yeah, like it, it's interesting. But yeah, so it's seven out of eight from you, eight out of eight from me. Yeah, uh, Matt, do you have anything further on this record? Uh, honestly, uh, not on this one. Beautiful. Let's uh, let's go ahead and move on to the next one. Why don't you? Uh, uh, I guess I'll lead us into Worm Shepherd here. So uh, Worm Shepherd released Ritual Hymns on January fourteenth on Unique Leader Records. Uh, I don't think we mentioned that for. We're a mess. Honestly, I to, so to be completely honest, I didn't get any of the record labels that produced um uh, for any of the records. So that's my bad. Oh good, I, I got it. So um, Fit for an Autopsy was released on Nuclear Blast. I that makes sense. Um, so Worm Shepherd released their uh, album on Unique Leader Records. Worm Shepherd is going to be Devin Duarte on vocals, Trey Perdue on guitars, Ryan Ibarra on guitars, Brandon Cooper on guitars, and Leo McLean on drums. Uh, Matt, what were your first impressions on this one? So I'll be completely honest. Uh, listening to it at work the, for the first ever listen, I really didn't get a chance to actually pay attention to the record. But once I actually got the full listen through where I was actually fully paying attention, oh, buddy, <laughs> I was not ready for just how much I was actually going to end up falling in love with this record. Yeah. Uh, Devin Duarte is inhuman absolutely the the man makes noises that no human should be fully capable of doing mm-hmm. and i feel like he's kind of secretly will ramos but like that one part in uh to the hellfire yeah he is that one part all the time yeah yeah exactly <laughs> it, it is so utterly disgusting um, these guys are relatively new to the scene and they've got one album out prior to this um I, I I can't believe it if they don't blow up. Honestly, yeah, like, no, they, it, they are so good. There, I I feel like they should be, pro like even if not with this record, with their next release, I feel like that should be the point where they just completely blow up if they if they haven't done it already. Yeah, and a good friend of ours can confirm that they do perform as well live, and so it's just phenomenal they're pretty much just the whole package yeah and i guess we'll go ahead and just kind of bleed into this one musically um this album is nothing short of heavy it Mm -hmm. brings both uh, all my favorite elements of black metal and death metal 
and pushes them together so hard that it births this maniacal masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Um, as mentioned, Devin's vocals are interstellar. The rest of the band follows suit and delivers this really atmospheric, almost apocalyptic kind of album that's felt from east to west. Like this is absolutely a band to watch out for because they're going to be the one of the best up and comers coming out. Oh, without a doubt. And um, as you said, it really brings the all the great things about this kind of new wave of deathcore and adds in those elements of black metal to as I put it, create this lovely shade of destruction. We've got the fast portions and the tremolo picking that you would expect from the black metal influence, and it does come through really hard on the vocals. Uh, Look at tracks like Of Sword and Nail, Chalice of Rebirth, and even Blood Kingdom, and that that really just show that black metal influence on the vocals. The rest is this just absolutely beautifully disgusting deathcore sound that, again, is part of the reason why I've fallen in love with the genre. one of the big notable tracks is Blood Kingdom. It was just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I I ended up sitting there and just kind of like curled my body in just <laughs> disgust. It was so good. Yeah, I had um I had all of those listed on mine as well. And uh, Winter Sun, which is the final track on the album, mm-hmm. which just kind of closes it out and does such a beautiful job. Of yeah. That. Um. Can we also take a second to talk about how stupidly insane the breakdown in A Bird in the Dusk was? <laughs> it's just <laughs> unnecessary destruction that I wholeheartedly support and want more of. Absolutely. Um, lyrically, I'm not going to lie. The lyrics feel like they're power metal, but just like the angsty cousin. It d- doesn't feel very heavily tied to real life, but it also could very strongly be metaphors that um, the narrator is trying to tr- trying to paint this very vivid picture, but also like keep the mystery of it. The black metal influence is very apparent through every facet, whether it be the lyrics, vocals, instrumentals, just all over. Yeah, with this one here, it um, it still contained the virility and demeaning elements of black and deathcore. Um, mm-hmm that we just see historically speaking, but it also has like a seemingly historical story that um, opens up with like a lot of references that I haven't really gotten a chance to dive into, Mm -hmm. but it just feels like there's something further in there. That's kind of this almost um, like very Latin horror based kind of stuff. So I I definitely understand what you're saying with the, the power metal kind of Mm -hmm. side of things. And this would just be, power metals evil cousin kind of thing yeah <laughs> well and like um and when, when we get into the artwork review is that's just another thing that kind of like has that very power metal but just the angsty um kind of dark vibe yeah and uh, actually let's just go ahead and move into that so the uh, artwork shows uh, what looks like kind of a, a spooky druid-looking individual. Um, for the gaming fans that may be listening, is think the Forsworn from Skyrim, mm-hmm. and this very like spooky uh, forest, kind of like the almost a stereotypical haunted forest vibe. Uh, there's a lot of like fallen branches and just weirdly growing trees all around. Um, candles all over the branches. It gives me a lot of like the uh, D and uh, like Dungeons and Dragons vibe, but it's a really cool differentiating from other typical deathcore albums where it's just kind of like this desolate wasteland and it's this like dark, just everything's just dark, but this feels like it separates itself from everything else because it's. I, I know how to explain it. It's just I don't know the words quite mm-hmm. to explain it. Um, but it, it definitely differentiates itself from a lot of other deathcore releases we've seen even in the last like two years. Yeah, I would um I would definitely kind of put this akin to like um I'm trying to think of the uh the names that kind of like dark wave side of things of uh of 
European metal bands. Yeah. Um, kind of, kind of in that vein of it. it it's a very cool, uh, cover for it. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have much more to say. Yeah, like it's not, just, it's a cool album cover. I, yeah, I'd 100%. also want this one hanging on my wall. <laughs> I, I would not mind that at all. So, uh, in regards to a tentacle rating on this one, Gabe, what do you got? Uh, this one also going to fall at eight out of eight for me. Really? It, it, yeah. It just front to back is everything I wanted and more. There's not a bad track on it. Okay. Um, it slaps babies. <laughs> <laughs> That's, you're not wrong. Like, <laughs> there is no better way to describe it. There, like, there really isn't, and it, it's just this bludgeoning masterpiece. Um, I'm gonna have to sit it at a six. Um, and the reason I say that is, it's the record I've jammed the least out of the four records, and it's not at any fault of its own. I mean, we've only had a few days to be able to prepare for this, and we're also yeah. breaking down four records. So, unfortunately, one of them was going to inevitably get a little bit lost. Um, as I get more listens to the record, and I will absolutely be jamming this in the future, is I, I believe it's going to grow even more on me. It's just going to take a little bit of time to actually just get get into some of the more intricacies of it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, from there, we're going to go ahead and move into... Uh, where is my notes there? There we are. Uh, we're going to move into Shadow of Intense Elegy. Why you go ahead and bring us in on that one, Matt? Oh, dude. <laughs> I genuinely got excited about Shadow of Intent again. It, it's not a sequel to... Re or it, it feels a little bit like a sequel to Reclaimer in a way, but it feels like more like reclaimer than melancholy was yeah um, um, oh, oh also uh real quick um this one was released on blood blast distribution okay no continue uh no that was that was it like but without you know giving without losing the opportunity <laughs> to you, you talk about your fair enough um having only listened to shadow of intent in passing in the past uh this is the really like the first time that i sat down and focused on them i was not disappointed whatsoever uh it, it very much gave me like deathcore trivium vibes which I thought was kind of cool. Like, <laughs> um, it, it's still its own unique entity with a lot of cool elements. Like, I definitely plan on diving back into these guys. Yeah, uh, in the future. Yeah, no, absolutely. And jumping right into the musical review, the the, the deathcore trivium that made me laugh. <laughs> so, Shadow of Intent really continue their journey deeper into the melodic death metal that they started with Melancholy, and I may reference it as Mellow Death. Um, in addition to their already established brand of deathcore to create this sonic assault that blends the slower parts to paint the tragic stories that they're telling, but also the heavy portions to simulate the chaos and terror of the wars and other historical events they're writing about. Um, the first notable song I want to talk about is Intensified Genocide, which was, I believe, <laughs> the first single. Absolute so. banger, and I think it takes my number one spot. Uh, the feature of Phil Bozeman on Where Millions Have Come to Die was absolutely lit. Yeah. I expected Phil to kill it going into it. I did not realize this man was going to come in and completely melt my face off. <laughs> like, this is its probably the nastiest I've ever heard this man scream ever. And I've listened to the Whitechapel since probably like 2011, 2012. Yeah. Um, of Fury is absolutely the song that takes my takes my favorite on this one. That that one's a good the, one. I, I don't know what it is. Like it's not even like noted as the favorite track on like Apple Music and stuff like that. But like the riff on that one, I just can't help but just bounce to. Yeah, it is so groovy. Well, and, and I then love it. even the other single, one of the other singles they did from from Ruin We Rise. Mm -hmm. That one was a really good one. The other feature we actually see here on the record was Chuck Billy on Blood in the Sands of Time, which was a really good feature and. Um, oh God, what band is Chuck Billy from? I'm completely spit because I know 
So Chuck Billy actually made a feature on the song Blood in the Sands of Time, and uh, Chuck Billy is actually from Testament. We're um, good at music. That's how we know this. Yes, we, <laughs> we definitely didn't just pause the, the podcast and look it up. <laughs> <laughs> that that was actually a really good feature, and it it caught me by surprise, but it it worked really well in the song. Um, and I think part of the reason it surprised me was there was a feature. Chuck Billy did on Lamb of God's last full-length album that was a, a very different entity from the his feature in this one. Yeah. Um, musically, this one definitely blurs the lines between deathcore and symphonic black metal. Um, the Metal Injection, uh, the website Metal Injection review put it best when they said that this album was meant for folks who swap back and forth between Whitechapel and Dimmuborg here back in the day. <laughs> Like I don't, I didn't see anything that could possibly describe this album that much better. That's hilarious. I love it. Um, there is seemingly like a lot of cultural elements into the album, uh, like musically speaking. Um, one of the main ones to me was kind of just the feelings of Egypt. Yeah, and uh, it kind of just like in the vein of Nile, which notably is my favorite death metal band mm-hmm. of all time. That's fair. Uh, I I love Nile the ends of the earth. I cannot wait to see them. They're going to be here, I think in February and I'm so excited. Oh, that's going to be fantastic. Um, yeah. The, and then also, uh, notably I have uh, farewell, the opening track as uh, one of the standout one tracks. Was really it was just good. a super groovy, real fast, get you into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really like the, the elegy trilogy at the end that of the one album. Was, I, it was a really cool way to close it out. And I like how there's certain bands where they'll do like a, like a one, two and three, but it's like throughout the record mm-hmm. is they had them back to back. And I think that it was a really smart move on the band. Yeah, and I, and I feel like that kind of is a, a good lead into the lyrical review on this one. So um, the name Elegy suggests, or it, 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 the definition of it is um, uh, a poem, often as a lamentation to the dead, mm-hmm. which is perfectly described by the album artwork that we'll get into here in a moment. Um, but it feels just like the whole album is constant allusions to the concept, whether it's war or a battle or just kind of the, the loss of a person. Mm-hmm. Um, it The whole album is just these conceptual lamentations uh, to to those that are dead. Yeah. And I, I really like that whole concept, and it really p- pulls it together in those final three tracks. Yeah. So uh, try, I can't remember the exact source of where I'd got the information, but Ben Dewar had talked about the lyrical content was all based on various historical events, mm-hmm. uh, various wars, and it was some of these events that are not as widely known by the public so it it sounds like he's a little bit of a history buff and trying to get this inspiration kind of deeper into uh just really human history so i thought that was really cool uh very based on war and it feels a lot more in the trenches than some songs that kind of try to be very war influenced or like about war is this feels like you're you're actually smack in the middle of it it paints very very vivid pictures and it actually makes you the not only just in the lyrics and the presentation vocally but in the rest of the instrumentals is it makes you feel like you're actually experiencing these events as you're listening to the song and i gotta give mad respect to the band for putting that together for sure uh lastly before we talk about a rating on it um the album cover on this one here so it has the main shadow of intent logo up at the top center of the uh album cover and at the bottom it has the album title elegy uh the main picture of it is this illustrated drawing of a bunch of people burying mass graves uh, so the uh, in the forefront shot, there's a person who's filling the hole that has three bodies that are bound and wrapped in cloth. 
and you can see behind him that there's other people that are doing the same and then just in a field littered with uh, headstones. Um, again, it, it's kind of the fit for an autopsy thing. Like, yeah. it's, it's a beautiful yet hallowing kind of yeah, uh, exactly imagery on it. The other thing that I thought was really cool and I think kind of ties into that war theme is towards the back, um, kind of in the background, you see this giant city that reminded me a lot of kind of like the top of a battleship mm -hmm. and you see missiles coming into uh, coming into the city you see part of it on fire so it just kind of really tying into the the massive death and uh, as the intensified genocide uh, name suggests is just this massive death yeah if you look really closely as well you can see people fleeing the city in the background mm-hmm yeah, it's like it's it's a very beautiful piece of art just when you look at like the talent of it, but it's extremely hallowing. Like, hey, you Matt, said. guess what? What I want this on a flag on my wall too. <laughs> Whoa, tentacle bop, <laughs> uh, Matt! If you had to put a rating on this one, where you at on it? I'm throwing it at a seven. It, again, it makes me really excited about Shadow of Intent. Again, it's an easy listen, and I really enjoyed it. And while it's still not Reclaimer, it's a very close second, and I just. Well done to everybody involved with this. It was a fantastic piece of work. How about you? This one's I'm, I'm putting it a seven as well. Um, this one's honestly subject to change in the future. Yeah. Solely for the fact that I haven't gotten to dive into this album as much as I want to. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a phenomenal album. Yeah. Like, these guys did not hold back. And I, I'm, I'm excited to get back into this one and listen to a fury again. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, can we before we uh, jump into the last record, can we just talk about how Ben Dorr should not be able to make the sounds he makes based on the way he looks? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's kind of the, the CJ McCreary, except he doesn't pee on people. Well, it's also the uh, like Ryan Kirby effect. Yeah, also that too. <laughs> Ryan Kirby also doesn't pee on people. CJ is just a bad person. I just wanted to make sure that we plugged that CJ McCreary is a bad person. 100%. Anyway, the last record we're going to be talking about about is Enterprise Earth and their record The Chosen, which was dropped uh, on what? This this one's also dropped on January fourteenth. Like what label? Uh, oh yeah, yeah duh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Remember the part where we're professionals? Yeah, no, not at all. Uh, this, so this one was uh, released on Entertainment One US. Okay. Uh, the lineup consists of Dan Watson on vocals, who is the one of the former guys of uh, Infinite uh, Infinite Annihilator. Thank you. Um, Gabe Mangold on guitars and Brandon Zaki on drums. They also have a couple guys that do uh, touring music with mm -hmm. them. I didn't put them in here since they're not. I didn't featured either. on the album. Uh, yeah, this one, this is stupid nasty. This is a stupid nasty record. <laughs> I was shocked at what I heard, but I also didn't realize this is exactly what I needed to hear. Um, and just jumping right into the musical review is, I was expecting this to be a pure deathcore record just because I've no. Enterprise Earth, uh, by reputation, to be a very just like deathcore bludgeoning kind of band. But this felt like it was a lot more metalcore than deathcore, or at least that's mm -hmm. how it seemed to me. The vocals in the purely screaming portions were absolutely insane. Um, the guitar work on this was probably my favorite. I can't even say probably. The guitar work on this was my absolute favorite of... Uh, piece of the record and mm -hmm. I, I i loved every bit of the guitar work um the part the portions where the vocals were going into like a kind of a clean vocal slash like pitch screaming shouting kind of thing it was really unpleasant for me um it just felt like it was it came so out of nowhere and it was just 
I don't know if like the mixing was weird or it was just the vocal technique itself. I don't know, or maybe a combination of the two. It just wasn't really my thing. I think it was kind of more the actual vocal technique. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of seemed like he was pulling a lot of like inspiration from like King Diamond uh, and, and Merciful Fate. And, and so like while it isn't quite exactly what he was doing, like that was the the biggest feeling that I got from mm-hmm. it. Uh, and then there was like some other clean spots that just were that they were interesting. I don't know that I really liked it on this record. Mm-hmm. Um, I I feel like that kind of is part of what made it more metalcore than deathcore. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I hated it. I think it was it, it's one of those things that was kind of more. I don't know that I wanted it. Yeah, and I, I think it that it was one of those things where, and I'll, I'll kind of allude to uh, the, the my like, tentacle rating is. It was unpleasant enough that I definitely knocked the the record down a little bit just because that piece kind of ruins part of the record for me. But if you also listen to some of the uh, like the pronunciation and the riffs in some of the songs, as it feels like something you would hear a lot more in, uh, not not quite like fit for a king, but like kind of in that similar vein of mm-hmm. metalcore, where it's the the very much blurring the lines of metalcore and deathcore. Is I think that's kind of like the kind of where it's sat. Well, and one of the things too, Enterprise Earth is is known for being extremely heavy. Yeah, and so coming out with this one here, it feels like they traded a lot of that heavy, so they they swapped in these clean vocals, and then they also swapped in more of these driving kind of uh, beats behind mm-hmm. it. So instead of just being kind of these slow, doomy, aesthetic kind of uh, apocalyptic feel, yeah. they really kind of opted more for like the driving kind of like things. Like when you mentioned Fit for a King, like um, Annihilation, where that one's kind of like it just gets really drivey or slave to nothing, things yeah. of that nature. Where they, it just really is focusing more on the drive of the song. Mm-hmm. And really just is pushing it to the end instead of just kind of this residual feeling the weight of what's happening in the song. On yeah, you. it's I feel like it was an interesting take in comparison with what they've done in the past. OK, that that's fair. I don't know that I hated it, but I don't know that I truly actually enjoyed it as much. That makes sense. Um, lyrically on this one, it follows suit for deathcore. It's angry. It's depressive and nihilistic, a spatter of disdain for humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, I unfortunately just didn't get a lot of time to deep dive into this one. So I don't really have a lot more to say on that. Yeah. But I ne- nothing ever stood out to me as truly terrible or anything like that. Yeah. No, nothing I, just really grabbed my attention immediately. With, with regards, were there any like notable tracks, at least just from kind of your, your listens of it? Yeah. So, um, where dreams are broken is the, um, is the, the first single that was released from this one mm-hmm. it was the first one that kind of let you know that you were going to be expecting clean singing on this album yeah which it was okay i i enjoy the track itself like the the rest of the track was really cool it was interesting to hear that part of it uh and at least it gave us an expectation for the album yeah uh reanimate disintegrate is dummy thick uh they they do these crazy false stops in the song and it, it is just utterly nasty i love it so much <laughs> so so for for you guys listening is um we're actually recording at my place right now um we typically record over at gabe's and we were listening to this song and where the full stop happened is gabe and i went we like ended up started to headbang 
before the actual breakdown came back in. So we were both off time and both it, of it's us a solid looked, like five second break. In oh, it is. And we're just we're like, we got this. No, we don't. <laughs> um, um, also, notably, uh, Unleash Hell is a phenomenal one. That too. one. I really enjoyed solid. that one. Um, one of the, the honestly, the one really notable song I put on here is Reanimate Disintegrate. I feel like we really need to be talking about this song a lot more than we do. And for the 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 full stop, just bludgeoning breakdown that it was. And then you jump into the solo, which very much and actually throughout the, a lot of the record is the solos re- reminded me a lot of kind of the soaringness and kind of the playing of it reminded me a lot of stuff from like the 1980s and like hair metal and a little bit in thrash but mostly on the hair metal side so is these yeah, these much bigger more, solos they were a lot more melodic instead of this what normally deathcore is doing is like these really dissonant kind of um dissonant shreddy really yeah i guess but like this one here was really more something that i feel like i would have heard on uh on a van halen record mm-hmm. or uh or a metallica record or something like yeah. that where, where it's really more just kind of these melodic scales instead of just okay how nasty can i make this and then i'll add a few extra runs in between yeah exactly um and then i'll i'll jump in uh really quick lyrically and then we'll uh jump into the artwork is it felt very introspective and if we look at songs like where dreams are broken reanimate disintegrate and i have to escape it's a lot of the asking of like why am i here questions floating around as well is uh the narrator reflecting on the life that they've led up to this point so a very nihilistic very introspective and very um just asking a lot of questions and then you add on top of it the points of questioning the human condition and just really reflecting on what humans have done or are doing so uh similar lyrically to uh what the fit for an autopsy Mm -hmm. record was but this one felt like it was a little bit more less poetic but it was a lot more in your face yeah uh, another thing i wanted to notice note before we uh jump into the artwork is this is a long record it was it's, it's 14 tracks and the runtime comes in at an hour and eight minutes mm-hmm. which yeah, is i think just three songs together it make up about 20 minutes of it yeah it, it, it i feel like it was a little too long i yeah. feel like they probably should have cut a track or two just because of how long it is. Um, mm-hmm. The Shadow of Intent one kind of also fell in the same vein. It was an hour and one minute uh, uh, total runtime. Um, I guess I'll just go over the rest of them too. It was 52 minutes for Worm Shepherd, and then Fit for an Autopsy came in at... No, stop. Quit fighting me. <laughs> uh, the Fit for an Autopsy came in at 45 minutes. So they really hit that wow. sweet spot. Yeah. Um, Worm Shepherd stayed within the range, and then Shadow of Intent and, uh, and Enterprise Earth both kind of really did long records yeah and i i think shadow of intent the the thing that helped them out was i think a lot of their songs had enough elements in it that it was able to keep you engaged um i found the enterprise earth one there was a lot of times i kept kind of like losing losing track of it Mm -hmm. and then i'd get my attention would be grabbed again when a solo hit and i just like just kind of just reminisce in this the just the guitar playing yeah and i think where a lot of that comes from too is like shadow of intent was playing a lot more in their upper registers on their instruments Mm -hmm. and so there's a lot more differentiation whereas a lot of the stuff that enterprise earth is doing and not necessarily saying this is a bad thing but it's done in a lot lower of a register and when you're playing fast and you have a lot of stuff going on those lower registers tend to get muddied out yeah um, which is why they push the mids, and if you 
as a musician, if you are familiar with this, if you hear the term scoop the mids, that's always bad. Slap anybody who ever tells you to do it. It's <laughs> fair. Um, just because you'll you'll lose whatever it is in the mix. And mm-hmm. so when these guys are playing in drop G or whatever it is, then they're going to be losing a lot of that uh, until you hit those solos where it's something different that's breaking up yeah. the normal chug, 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 zero, 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 one, zero, one, two, zero, and so forth. Breaking up the binary code. Exactly. Um, with that being said, we'll go ahead and jump to the artwork on this one. Uh, Matt, why don't you go ahead and take this one? So the uh, album artwork for this one is it looks like a stained glass uh, piece. And in it is we're going to see Enterprise Earth's logo in the uh, top portion of the album, but kind of still within this archway. And then the chosen down at the bottom of the uh, of the piece, but still kind of in this frame. And it looks like it's actually a cohesive part of the uh, stained glass. And as we look at it, as it looks like a mother and father holding their child, but the mother and father are both bleeding, uh, bleeding from their eyes. And then in the background behind them is a multitude of different demon-like individuals. So we've got um, some of them have horns similar to that of rams. We've got some of them with just horns on their heads and just very, very grotesque-looking individuals. Yeah. The, uh, so. One can make the assumption that the father and mother figure on this are going to be Mary and Joseph. Yeah. And the chosen is referencing Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't recall seeing really many religious elements in the lyrics. I didn't catch any as I was flipping through, but there may have been something that I missed. Yeah. I I don't remember exactly what songs all I was able to check out. So Mm -hmm. there may be some elements of religious details in there i i just didn't see them yeah no um, me neither yeah the most of it, everything is in blue and then there's blood running from their eyes which is pretty metal but not something we haven't seen <laughs> pretty metal <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> i don't really have much to say on this one it, i don't know that it really it feels speaks like it's to the record discon- for me it, it does feel disconnected and i think that partly because like neither of us are were able to really see the connection like as we as we look well, at the other records that we were talking about today is like they felt like a cohesive part of it this feels like it's just kind of like hey let's put an edgy put picture on our album just because we're a deathcore band and we want to have edgy stuff yeah and, and also like the the title track on this one the chosen is track 13 out of 14 in here. yeah so it is really late in the album which is they think that's also the longest song of the record i think it comes in at just over eight and a half minutes yep you'd be correct 835 mm-hmm. so yeah uh Matt, on a scale of one to eight tentacles, where are you at on this one? I'm putting it at a six. Um, as I alluded to before, the the portions of the or the elements of the sound that I disliked kind of dragged it down. But really, where the things hit the right spot is, I think it was good enough to put it at a six. I feel like of these four records, is this is probably the most tentative six of of everything so this is probably the most likely to change mm-hmm. um right now it's a six just like i said it, it's dummy thick and it, it's got a lot of good things about it yeah i would agree with you there I, I'm, I'm in a six as well mm-hmm. um i definitely need more time with this record yeah and i i'm it's kind of the same boat there like it's subject to change probably for the better mm-hmm. as i discover as i discover more into it yeah but um yeah no i'm a, a six is still good like, yeah none no, of these absolutely. records that we listen to for this part of the episode we're bad this week no and that's honestly it's really nice considering we had so much coming in late and 
Gabe and I were actually talking a little bit about this before the episode actually started. We were like, unfortunately, if we had to rank these four against each other, one of them has to be put in last place. And it feels bad, but at the same time, it's like, it has to happen. Yeah. And it's like when you're listening to an album uh, full of bangers, that it, it's an eight out of an eight for you, but... One There's of them's got to go to the bottom. One of those, one of the, yeah, no, and that that's literally how it was. Um, if you had to just for for these four records, um, putting it from top to bottom in regards to favorite to least favorite, what are, what's your order probably going to be? Uh, it's it's definitely fit for an autopsies up at the top for me. That's fair. Uh, Warm Shepherd's a close second. Okay. Uh, Shadow of Intent falls third, unfortunately, and Enterprise Earth just comes in last. But again, none of these are bad records. Yeah. Um, if I had to do my order for it, jeez, I. <laughs> Really, Fit for an Autopsy and Shadow of Intent are really fighting for first. Um, I may have to put Fit for an Autopsy up on top right now. Just it, it's so be- it's so beautiful, and uh, again, it's just a really really easy listen. I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, number three is probably Worm Shepherd, and then Enterprise Earth is probably number four. I think um, Worm Shepherd, just in the the times I have listened to it, is it's grown on me the most. Um, but I'm, I'm sure that's probably going to move around quite a bit. For sure. But uh, that is going to do it today for our uh, four albums that we're going to be breaking down. So again, that was, well, we just repeated. I'm not going to repeat it again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what we're going to do now is we're going to go ahead and move into our hidden tracks, which is we're going to... That the whole uh, this whole episode is a hidden track, really. Literally, <laughs> well, and but there yeah. were more records that came out on this day, which is basically what our hidden track is. Yeah, basically, <laughs> so it's it's just two more records that didn't fall into deathcore that we're mm-hmm. going to be talking about. So um, I'll I'll take the first one here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I listened to the uh, Under Oath record this week, uh, which <sighs> oh no. I, I loved Under Oath as a kid. Okay. Uh, just as every emo kid growing up did. Like, they were just a mainstay in in, in emo and, and screamo growing up. Mm-hmm. And this just felt so off for me. Okay. Now, it, it's been widely uh, detailed that they're no longer a Christian band. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they take that to the extreme. This the lyrical content of this album really felt a lot more kind of like akin to like what Miley Cyrus did at the VMAs okay. where it was just, it was all about shock value is how many times can we drop an F bomb and really oh, shock yeah. our fans? Like instead of just being really cohesive with it. Mm-hmm. And I understand that you can have those kind of feelings, but like, especially when you see more and more bands leaning off of profanity mm-hmm. to kind of just full step into it. Yeah. I feel like wasn't really the right move to make. Um, so I, I had that issue with it that it was a really more of a minor issue for me personally. It just kind of felt like, uh, like the edgy kid who decided that he's not going to follow his parents' religion anymore. Yeah. So that, that, that is what it is. Take it or leave it. That's just my personal take on it. I don't really care personally whether they are or aren't. I care more about the quality that they put out for it. Yeah. So th- th- that's my take. Um, my biggest complaint with this album was the mixing on it the guitars felt like they had all lows taken out hmm. there. There was still lows in the album from the bass, but the guitar tone itself just felt very mid humpy. And okay. I was not really a big fan of that. And that's not really something that I recall from their previous stuff. Um, vocally, the album was solid. Uh, Spencer Chamberlain and uh, Aaron Gillespie, Gillespie, Gillespie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, phenomenal. Well, the whole way through, they, they never really disappoint. Uh, okay. in that regard yeah I, I just 
I don't know. Th- this one's very middle of the road for me. Okay. It, it kind of hurt. Like it, it was nice to see them return to some of the heavier stuff, but they also got kind of weird with it in, in certain ways. And it just, it really kind of left a desire for the old under oath that I grew up with. And I understand that I can't expect it out of them. They're going to grow and mature grow, as a band, yeah. but I just feel like they've really truly departed from what they were. And it's kind of the, um, the same boat that attack attack is now mm-hmm. where it's just, we're underneath this name, but we are realistically, we're a different band at this yeah, point. Yeah, it's, yeah. And and in a way, so I've, I've heard the complaint being made about Chelsea Grin now um, to yeah, some extent. I, I can definitely see it there or um, with uh, with Whitechapel. Like, they're, yeah. they're a different band from when they began, but I it just feels like so many of the elements that were there when I was growing up and listening to them as a kid mm-hmm. with Disambiguation and they're only chasing safety. The, the, those albums were so integral, and I just feel like so much of that is gone anymore. Yeah. Um, I'll be completely honest. I never got into Under Oath as I kind of came into came into you know this this mm-hmm. music. Um, so growing but up it is, in a, in a church environment and finding any outlet for metal that I could, they were a big mainstay. That's for me. that's that's probably that's probably part of what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Kind of sticking with the kind of Christian esque um, thing is Skillet dropped a new album. Um, I got to song number two. <laughs> it's Skillet. Yeah, I, I listened to the album whole way through as well. It's it is exactly everything you would expect from Skillet nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. That that's really it. That it literally <laughs> and like so the the song that made me turn it off was "Standing in the Storm." That I believe was the title. Right. Is basically what it sounded like, and I made the comment to Gabe because it was my my literal first reaction to it. Is I was like, this sounds like Skillet's trying way too hard to make an arena rock anthem. And they're just not hitting the mark. Mm-hmm. And like you could te- definitely tell like it has the possibility of doing it. It's just there was something missing and I can't quite figure out what it was about it. But it just was missing that umph really yeah. is the best way to put it. But yeah, meh. One other thing that I wanted to bring up as well, um, uh, Fight From Within. They're a fairly new band out of New York. Um they dropped a new single this week, uh, this last week called Malevolence. It is phenomenal. Go stream the crap out of it. It is disgusting and heavy and everything phenomenal. And Mikey is a fantastic vocalist. I don't care what the people on YouTube say. <laughs> <laughs> there is a, I'm, I'm friends with him on Facebook. Oh, and, that's awesome. Uh, there, <laughs> he posted. So they they dropped their single and on YouTube they had a bunch of people commenting that um, he was too old for this and that. He's like, he can't move around like he should. And I'm just like, who do you think you are? Yeah. Are you listening to this? <laughs> so go stream Malevolence Some by Fight people. From Within. Phenomenal band. Phenomenal tracks. Check them out. Um, yeah, but that that's going to do it all for us today. We do appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. Uh, you can find us on a variety of social medias. You can find us on TikTok, on YouTube, on Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, please like, rate, subscribe, all of that jazz. Some jerk gave us a one star for no reason, which I'm really sad about. But I'm I'm pretty certain that it was probably related to our Iron Maiden episode. I have no idea. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, that being said, we'll be back with you guys next week. And until then, we will see you later. Catch you in the next one.